Hello, and welcome to the premiere episode of Seasons Eatings. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and we're going to go exploring the history of your favorite Christmas foods. But first, I want to give a thanks to a couple of people who've inspired me to start this podcast. First is Emily Prokop from The Story Behind. Her podcast explores the stories behind everyday, ordinary things. And secondly, a big thank you to Brian Earle from the Christmas Past podcast. His episodes about the joys of Christmas Past can be found at christmaspast.media. You can find him and other great podcasts such as Can't Wait for Christmas podcast and Christmas Clatter on the Christmas Podcast Network. This episode is about one of my favorite Christmas foods, figgy pudding. Figgy pudding has been around for over 500 years and has had many changes and ingredients throughout its lifetime as a holiday treat. The modern figgy pudding consists of dried fruits and nuts combined with flour, some type of fat like butter or suet, a little alcohol and many wonderful fragrant spices. It's then baked, boiled or steamed in a mold or in cheesecloth for hours. It can be covered in marzipan, more alcohol, set on fire and presented with your Christmas dinner. It's a dessert that looks impressive, but can be the bane of many cooks. So join me as we explore the history of figgy pudding. The popular Christmas song, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, is heard every year during the holiday season. Arthur Worrell from Bristol, England, is responsible for the popularity of the carol. Worrell arranged the tune for his own university madrigal singers and performed it in concert on December 6, 1935. It's believed he got the lyrics from a traditional West Country song originating in the 1830s. Some of the original verse says, We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, a pocket full of money and a cellar full of beer. It's the second verse that has carolers singing, Bring us some figgy pudding and bring it right here, which got me to wondering why we sing about pudding in the first place. The term figgy pudding is a bit of a misnomer. Most modern recipes don't include figs at all, and it's not really a pudding in the sense that many North Americans know a pudding. Figgy pudding closely resembles a fruit cake with its dense crumb packed with dried fruits and nuts and spices. In the United Kingdom, the term pudding is used generally as any food served as a dessert after the main meal. It doesn't have to be the custard-like dessert we know and love. In culinary terms, a pudding is a mixture of foods cooked in a container, such as an animal skin or an organ, a cloth, a pastry, or a dish. English pudding has connections to sausage, dumplings, flans, custard creme brulee, and zabaglioni. According to several sources, the term pudding likely comes from the Latin botellus, via the French boudin, meaning sausage. It could also be derived from the Germanic pud, meaning to swell, or pudec, meaning lump. The first recorded recipe for figgy pudding is from a 14th century cookbook called The Form of Curry, which was compiled by the cooks of King Richard II. The king's meals were always extravagant, rich in taste and display, and many different ingredients and spices were used by the cooks, which many couldn't afford or even heard of. Spices were brought from places such as India and the Middle East, and the figgy pudding would have been made for the time leading up to Christmas. 
The original recipe consisted of taking blanched almonds, grinding them and mixing with water, wine, quartered figs, and raisins. This mixture is combined with powdered ginger, honey, and salt. It's then boiled and served. This dish sounds more like a soup than a dessert. It's not to be confused with another figgy dish, which was fish and curds boiled together. This was also called figgy because it came from an old French term, figé, meaning curdled. Eventually, that dish went out of favor, although I can't begin to wonder why. By the 15th century, figgy pudding has now been modified a little. Figs are boiled in wine and then combined with bread and mashed together. This paste is mixed with more wine, spices, and raisins. It's then served topped with pomegranate seeds. There were puddings made from meat, savory puddings like sausage, and sweet puddings. By the end of the 16th century, ingredients such as fruit and sugar had become more plentiful, and pudding went from being savory to sweet. Around the same time, carolers began to sing the English folk song, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. When poor folks stood on the doorsteps of the wealthy and sang, Oh, bring us some figgy pudding and we won't go until we get some, they probably were having a bit of fun, being bold about the relationship between the two classes and spreading Christmas cheer. Marked as a Christmas tradition in Britain by the mid-1600s, this Christmas dessert was actually banned by the Puritans in 1647. It said the Puritans thought Christmas pudding to be sinfully rich and unfit for God-fearing people. Luckily, it was reinstated 50 years later in 1714 by King George I and became a customary part of the Christmas meal. By Victorian times, the ingredients have become close to that of modern versions. Thanks to Charles Dickens and his Christmas Carol, the Christmas pudding has become part of our modern tradition. In A Christmas Carol, Dickens describes how nervous Mrs. Cratchit is to take the pudding up and bring it in. Since it's the highlight of the holiday supper, Mrs. Cratchit is all aflutter and in a great worry that the dessert she had spent two days preparing and hours steaming had turned out right. The whole family waits in wild joy and anticipation until finally she brings the long-awaited dessert into the dining room with pride showing on her face. Hello! A great deal of steam. The pudding was out of the copper. A smell like a washing day, that was the cloth. A smell like an eating house and a pastry cook's next door to each other, with a laundress's next door to that. That was the pudding. In half a minute, Mrs. Cratchit entered, flushed but smiling proudly with the pudding like a speckled cannonball, so hard and firm, blazing in half a half a quartern of ignited brandy, and bedight with Christmas holly stuck into the top. Now, the modern Christmas figgy pudding typically includes breadcrumbs, eggs, brown sugar, suet, raisins, currants, candied orange peel, nutmeg, cloves, allspice, and alcohol. Figs have never actually been an official ingredient for the modern version, but they're included from time to time, inspiring the well-known name along the way. Speaking of traditions, adding silver coins into a figgy pudding is a fun Christmas tradition, the notion being that whoever finds the coin will have good luck. 
The tradition may date as far back as early as the 1300s when several small items like dried peas and chicken wishbones were added to the pudding mixture. Other items found in Christmas puddings could be a button, a thimble, or a ring. Nowadays, many households have their own recipes for Christmas pudding, some handed down through families for generations. Essentially, the recipe brings together what traditionally were expensive or luxurious ingredients, notably the sweet spices that are so important and develop its distinctive, rich aroma, and usually made with suet. It's very dark in appearance, sometimes nearly black as a result of the dark sugar and black treacle or molasses in most recipes, and it's a long cooking time. The mixture can be moistened with the juice of citrus fruits, brandy, or other alcohol. Some recipes even call for dark beers, such as a stout or a porter. Initial cooking usually involves steaming for many hours. Most pre-20th century recipes assume that the pudding will then be served immediately, but in the second half of the 20th century, it became more usual to preheat puddings on the day of serving, and recipes changed slightly to allow for maturing. To serve, the pudding is reheated by steaming once more and dressed with a warm brandy, which is set alight. It can be eaten with hard sauce, usually a brandy butter or a rum butter, a cream, ice cream, custard, or a sweetened bechamel sauce, and sometimes sprinkled with caster sugar. Throughout the colonial period, the pudding was a symbol of unity throughout the British Empire. In 1927, the Empire Marketing Board, the EMB, wrote a letter to the Master of the Royal Household requesting a copy of the recipe used to make the Christmas pudding for the royal family. The King and Queen granted Leo Amory, the head of the EMB, permission to use the recipe in a publication in the following November. The royal chef, Henry Sidard, provided the recipe. There was one small problem. The original recipe was measured to serve 40 people, including the entire royal family and their guests. The EMB was challenged to rework the recipe to serve only eight. Second, the ingredients used to make the pudding had been changed to reflect the ideals of the empire. Origins of each ingredient had to be carefully manipulated to present each of the empire's many colonies. Brandy from Cyprus and nutmeg from the West Indies which had been inadvertently forgotten in previous recipes, had made special appearances. Unfortunately, there were a number of colonies that produced the same foodstuffs. The final recipe included Australian currants, South African stone raisins, Canadian apples, Jamaican rum, and English beer, among other ingredients all sourced from somewhere in the empire. After finalizing the ingredients, the royal recipe was sent out to national newspapers and to popular women's magazines. Copies were also printed and handed out to public for free. The recipe was a phenomenal success, and thousands of requests for the recipe flooded the EMB office. So what traditions do you have with your Christmas pudding? Do you make one yourself, with a recipe handed down generation after generation? Or do you buy one already made from the grocer? Is it presented like Mrs. Cratchit after the main meal? Or do you just like to sing the Christmas carol? Join me next time as we explore your favorite Christmas foods and their origins on Seasons Eatings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seasons Eatings. Join me, Glenn Warren, again next time as we explore your favorite Christmas foods. 
All music in this episode has been used under permission of the Creative Commons license. If you enjoy Christmas as much as I do, you can find other podcasts on the Christmas Podcast Network. You can find them at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.